0: Ladies and gentlemen, great, great song recommendation for you guys. International Love Affair, full version, seven minutes, right? Don't go for the short one. By Cold Cut and Kelly Kettler. Thank me later. And it was a public enemies Chuck D. Bring the noise. On the Fifth M Podcast Network, I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you have all had a good week in the circumstances. Yeah, man, we're out here in the UK right now. We're out here. April twelfth has passed. Pubs are opening. Hair, getting your trims, all of that, all of that, all of that. And uh, honestly, right, it's it's made me think, like about, um, you know, I I'm 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 kind of. I'm in a place right where I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not rushing, right? I'm. I'm not rushing. Um, I'm never. I'm. Ne- I'm never the first person to you know get something, right? I've never been a person to uh, wait outside for a video game. Remember those days, guys? Remember those? Oh, throwback. Um. Yeah. I've never been that guy. Like. I've. I've never been that guy to cop the first thing, right? The only time I've had. I. I the only time I've done that kind of thing where I'm like first in line is, you know, to cop a concert ticket. But that's only because you know most of the most of the things sell out in a day, innit? So you you kind of have to be on job with that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that's the. Uh, but even with that, I don't have to go anywhere. I could just you know have the link ready on my phone, and then as soon as it set the alarm for whatever it is ten a.m. whatever, boom on the site boom, cop, right, it's, it's, you know, it's simple, right, I'm not, I don't have to go out and camp anywhere, that's that's, that's effort, that's effort, but I'm trying, I'm thinking about, like, you know, uh, a couple of, a couple of people have, like, told me, as soon as April 12th came, like, people were, you know, queuing outside of Primark and shit like that, and I'm like, it, it can't be me, it, it can't be me, like, and even with that, I can't, I don't understand, like, why, why do you guys, why do you guys m- you have to go Primarni, like, what, what's your deal? Like to cop what? What what can you cop in Primani in person that you can't cop online? You know what I mean? And I get it, right? There's some things that people like to have, you know, just you know, just you know, rock before they cop. I get it, right? I get it. I, I'm I'm cool with that. I, I understand for some things, for some people, they need to try on first before they cop. I completely understand, right? You can do your you can ask all the questions online as much as you want, but until you rock those and you feel and you feel those you can't cop, I understand, right, but come on, guys, come on, it's not, the, it's not, the world ain't ending in a couple of days, right, you don't have to line up for prime money, come on, guys, you can wait a couple more days, come on, let's, let's be real, come on, let's just chill out here anyway, but yeah, and I was thinking about all of this, right, about everyone, uh, coming out, you know, and, uh, Taking pictures and having drinks outside, all that stuff, right? And it's all well and good, right? And you know, my time will come at some point. I'm 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 calm with that. I'm confident in that. You know what I mean? And the, I'm I'm not rushing, like I said. But the only thing I keep thinking about um is this concept of like privilege that I'm not really sure we're aware of right now. Because I keep seeing, you know, daily um, you know, vaccination numbers. Stuff like that. You know, hundreds of people get their got their shot. The highest, highest of the de- highest um uh, uh one day uh count for people getting vaccinated. Da, 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 da. Happy days, right? But um, I I can't help but think about like this is only we're only like one of like five six countries in the world that are actually doing it at a decent pace, and that's a level of privilege, guys. You know what I mean? Um. I just keep thinking about that. Like I'm I'm am I'm, I'm wondering how long it's actually going to take to get, you know, everybody, you know, uh, uh 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 vaccinated. You know, what I mean, I'm not even just the UK. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about everybody like in the world, right? How long is that going to take? Because, like I said, only a few countries are actually doing it at a decent pace, um, and you know, everyone else is just like scrambling. You know what I mean? And that's a level of privilege just the fact that we've managed to cop you know a good amount of vaccines from the certain companies from the modernas and the pfizers and etc cetera, etc cetera, right we've we've put we've put work in right and the only reason we don't notice it um notice this privilege i feel is because it's we're getting it through the nhs we're getting it technically for free right so you know if we were paying for that shit we'd, we'd know about it and we'd recognize that privilege but because we don't I don't think we recognize this so I want you guys you know if you live in the uk especially if you live in America Israel even um, you know if you' if you' if your country's getting a you know a good number of the of vaccines and uh, you know getting them out quick and stuff like that and being relatively uh, efficient with with the vaccination pro- with your uh, national vaccination programs just understand that you know you're one of a few countries you know what I mean that are actually getting this job properly done. And that's the level of privilege, that really is. Um, and once we're, you know, once that herd immunity kicks in, you know what I mean, everyone's going to be cool, um, and we'll be living our lives, but then there'll be still be countries like, you know, still going through big numbers, like, go look at Brazil. And that's, you know, Brazil's a poor example because, you know, government, uh, uh, federally, they're, you know, garbage, but and, and that's kind of the, the, the reason why they're so garbage. But, um, you know, that's not on the people, but, you know, still, we're it's high numbers, right, it's, you can't escape from that, and uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it is what it is, so I just wanted you to, you guys to recognise as people go through the vaccines, as people, you know, start coming out and lining up a fucking primark of all places, sort your lives out, guys, uh, just recognised as a nation in the UK, US, Israel, other con- a few other countries as well, just recognise that we are extremely privileged to have this. And for some other countries, it's going to take years, maybe even decades, for actually, you know, vaccines to come through a decent clip. So I just wanted to write that out there. Anyway, we have a solid show, two life, uh, one music and one film and TV. Format before we begin, email to IG, Discord link, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes, as well as the articles I will read for this show please go peep the articles for yourself and get support the people that write them. And without further ado, let the beat drop, and let's get into the show. In a week where Prince Philip dies at 99, and uh yeah I I have, a, I have a lot of thoughts on that but to be honest this uh, I'm so I, I wasn't even peeping the coverage right for throughout the whole day at BBC one especially uh fed people um, that actually resulted in a mad offcom uh, complaints which is just juicy to me um but yeah even yeah, I wasn't even peeping all that and I'm really fatigued like it's just it's, it's not it but anyway carrying on uh, DMX eight, dies age 50. And we will talk about that in the music segment. Uh, St. Vincent Volca- Vincent's Volcano La Soufrière, Uh erupts for the first time since 79, engulfing the entire Island in volcanic ash. Um, last time I checked, there weren't any deaths, uh, which I guess is good. So I, um, I'm, I'm, That was a couple of days ago, though, so it may have changed. Um, but, yeah, there's um, plenty of, um, you know, places. Um, that you, if you feel like donating to them, uh, please do so and... Uh, yeah, man. There's, there's a lot of uh, evacuations going on, obviously, on that front because uh, it's <laughs> engulfed in the whole the whole place is engulfed in literally volcanic ash. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama wins the 2021 Masters and becomes the first Japanese male golfer to win a major championship. And uh, lastly, Minneapolis protests once again uh, after 20-year-old Duante De- Duante, right? I think that's how you say it. Uh, dies at the hands of a cop who shoots him with the intention of tasing him, which. I don't know, guys. Uh, you know, a gun, a whole gun, and a taser. Uh, I feel like there's, you know, significant differences, you know, from uh, physically, in terms of weight, and uh, visually, in terms of colour. I feel like there's, you know, significant differences between the two. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not... It looks like an accident. Uh, if you've seen the video, it looks like an accident, but... And uh, I think the cop who uh, did... Who fired the gun, uh, resigned, which is uh, good uh, in one sense, but, you know, still a, a guy dead, uh, you know what I mean? And uh, that's in the same place where the Derek Chauvin trial is still going, uh, literally a few minutes away from where George Floyd died. Um, so, yeah, that whole that whole city of Minneapolis is must be on edge, man. No, it must be uh, cut the tension with a button knife uh, horrible over there. But anyway... Which I'll begin with over here, and uh, with the recent um, uh, findings of the body of uh, uh, Richard um uh, who I did obviously mention a few episodes ago. Um, they found his body um, in Essex. I forget where specifically. And uh, I was just thinking about it: um, the death itself, and uh, you know the missing case, and just the lack of action. At, you know, a key time, which is you know the first 24 48 hours like the quicker you can you know the quicker you get into action the better right and i i feel like it took the police way too long uh, to actually kick into gear um and by the time they actually did kick into gear it was too late um but this result this this result is a case that has you know been coming up um thematically a lot more recently um you know blessing a uh, uh, sigan uh, recent uh, in, in last year um that, that was that was a that was a real that was one that was just not even like brought up uh i, I saw a few people bring it up uh, i think last summer and then it just faded like no no news coverage nothing it was just uh completely engulfed um and not even talked about but um i found this article by mr nadine nadine uh nadine wright uh, Nadine White, sorry, uh, race correspondent for the Independent. Uh, obviously, I mentioned her a few episodes ago, and uh, was recently named in the uh, Forbes 30 Under 30 uh, European version. And so, shout out to that, uh, shout out to her on that front. Um, this article is called "Black people are going missing in vast numbers, but campaigners say their cases are being ignored." And uh, yeah, let's just jump right in because obviously that title uh, says it pretty much in a nutshell. As black people continue to go missing across Britain in disproportionate numbers, campaigners say the government must do more to address the reasons and that their relatives must stop being treated as merely a nuisance. According to recent data from the National Crime Agency, black people counted for 14% of missing people in England and Wales between 2019 and 2020, over 4 times 3% their relative population, obviously that 3% Most likely will rise as the result of uh, the 2021 census, which we haven't got results of, but at the moment is logged at 3%, but it's probably a little bit higher than that. Regardless of that, I don't think we're at 14% per population. Um, Though the agency does not currently have a breakdown in missing people by age data, uh, age data shows that more uh, black men 13% were missing than black women at 10%. Uh, In London, between 2019 and 2020, black people accounted for 36% of missing people, twice their population in the city, which is 13%. According to uh, uh, Sadia Ali, the founder of Grassroots North London charity Minority Matters, which is largely devoted to supporting families whose children are trafficked by uh, county lines gangs, Uh, the relatives of missing black people acutely feel their lives are not given the same value as other lives. Quote, no life is worth more than the other, and black and ethnic minority parents uh, feel that their sons' lives aren't valued the same, she said, speaking to the Independent. Uh, and in recent weeks, two disappearances of, again, fuel concerns that black missing cases are taken less seriously than those of white people. When Sarah Everard went missing at the beginning of March, having disappeared during a walk home in Clapham, South London, there was an outcry. Police issued appeals immediately, and a widespread search ensued. When her body was found a week later and a Metropolitan Police officer charged uh, uh, charged with her murder, a vigil staged at Clapham Common was attended by the Duchess of Cambridge, Kate Middleton. At this point, the matter was com- uh, commented on by the Home Secretary, and Prime Minister Boris Johnson. However, campaign- campaigners have argued that the response to black people going missing is handled very differently. Cases including Richard Okorraguet, Blessing the seligan uh Olusigan, sorry I keep saying I keep saying that, I don't have to read it before I say it. Uh, Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman uh, have attracted comparatively less attention. They were all black, were all reported missing, and in all cases except one, the family members have accused the re, uh, respective police of, uh, police forces of not taking their disappearances seriously, both in the police response and the media reaction, the relatives of missing black people. Uh, report feeling neglected or sidelined. Quote, We are concerned that some families from black and other ethnic minority communities have told us that they have faced discrimination in response from agencies when they have reported a loved one missing, and in the media coverage of their loved one's disappearance, a spokesperson for Missing People's Charity uh, told The Independent. Another quote, "Uh, We don't know the full scale of this discrimination and are committed to help make change happen, led by families with lived experiences. Unquote. Uh, Richard, Richard's parents, Evidence Joel and Newton Okorige, have uh, criticised the police handling of their son's case, claiming that the officers did not take their concerns, quote-unquote, seriously uh, following his disappearance. Quote, I told a police officer that my son was missing. Please help me find him. And she said, if you can't find your son, how do you expect police officers to find your son for you, Miss Joel said. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's a telling response, isn't it? Like, that's not, that's not the point. Like that's, that's this isn't this isn't taken like is she's not going to take it into her own hands she's not Liam Neeson that's not that's not the that's not the point that's not how society works here it shouldn't work here right uh, oh how do you expect us to find him well you're the police guys that's kind that's kind of um you know part of the job anyway continued on speaking to the Independent on Thursday Miss Joel also said the police appear to be quote unquote counting the minutes. Uh, she was on the line uh, when she called for updates on his case. Quote, evidence you have been on the phone for the last 10 minutes. We can't give you any more information. Unquote. She said they told her. His body was found this week in Epping Forest, north of London. Not in Essex, north of London. Uh, Miss Joel said, uh, has said uh, she's, he seemed to be, quote unquote, struggling to cope at university. Uh, while the Home Secretary has tweeted condolences to the teenager's family, the Prime Minister has not publicly just a tragedy. Hmm, I wonder... Uh, there's a lot of moments, Fry, right, that, that where where you know something like that happens, um, uh, you know, genuine tragedy, and uh, the prime minister just doesn't seem to respond. Like there's a lot of times where you know over the years where that's happened, and every time it pisses me the fuck off. It really does piss me off. Continuing on, similarly, Mina Smallman, uh, Nicole and Bieber's mother. Uh, claimed the police did not immediately respond to initial reports, so her daughters were missing. Adding that she had to personally coordinate a search operation on the weekend they died. <sighs> like, what, what are we doing here, guys? Like, you're the police. Why should it be on the parents to make up a search operation if they feel that they that they think their child is missing, right? And in this day and age, I feel like it's a reasonable. Um, if they if they ain't picking up the phone, uh, here's my, here's how I think, right? It, 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 this is just me. Right, I, I'm not a parent of any sort. Like I don't have any, you know, people under me. You know, I don't have any responsibilities on that front, right? But I feel like if it was me, alright, if they ain't picking up the phone, um, and it's been at least a night, right? I'm asking, and uh, you know, I'm gonna be waking up and this st- and no still no word right i'm going to be hitting up all these peeps i'm gonna be messaging all of them going like have you seen have you seen you know my you whatever um and if none of them have seen them that's when i'm calling the police right that well, that's you know seemingly that's what you should do right logically no but she had to s- <laughs> she had to she had to make up she had to coordinate her own search operation on the weekend they died like fucking hell Alright, continue on. His sister's bodies were then undiscovered by Nicole's boyfriend. Fuck. Wow, 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 that's just That's just horrible. Uh Miss Smallman said she believes that the police were slow to respond because her daughters were black, quote I think the notion of all people matter is absolutely right, but it's not true. Other people have more kudos in this world than people of colour, unquote. Miss Morgan recently told the BBC another, quote, my girls and Sarah uh, Everard, uh, they didn't get the same support, the same outcry, unquote. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people going like, oh, why are why, you why bringing Sarah Everard into it? No, 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 no. But it's, 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 are, they, are the cases not comparable? I feel like they're comparable, so. yeah, I mean? So, um. I, I I can see, I, I guarantee you there's gonna be a lot of people saying that. Oh why 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 are you conflating? Why why are you comparing to both? Uh, why do you think? Because they both went missing and one uh, uh one got a visit from the Duke and Duchess uh from the Duchess of Cambridge. It is what it is um optics you know what I know? uh continue on the mother of black student uh, Joy Morgan who went missing in 2019 and was later found murdered told the BBC her case didn't garner widespread attention quote. Because my black daughter, uh, because my daughter was black, and because I was black, I was not newsworthy. Unquote. There's a pattern coming on here. Uh, but around the same time, Libby Squire, a white student of the same age, went missing and was also found later dead. Uh, later found dead. Her case was a headline story, prominent across national news for weeks. a mother, who did not want to give her name, uh, said there is a dangerous lack of awareness about the disparities in missing race of, uh, rates of black people. Her son, who is mixed race, went missing the age of 16 after being trafficked into uh, county lines activity. Quote, all the focus have been on knife crime. The government should have done a big public information appeal about trafficking, highlighting the fact that black boys are disproportionately more likely to go missing, she told The Independent. And I actually saw like um, a few news articles on that and a few news items on that, but you know, the news only does so much. I feel like the whole gov- the, the government didn't say a peep on it in response to any of that. Um, and that was only a couple of years ago but anyway uh, she wants schools to address the issue with their pupils and said local authorities who, uh, also need to do more the public information campaigns need to give the issue attention it deserves uh, she said quote, uh, there should be adverts on television regular missing appeals every month billboards, information in schools Oftentimes children are going missing straight from school gates in America black children are more likely to go missing this is a widely known fact they appear to be more open about it Uh, but why is the disparity covered up here in the UK? It sounds awful, but I think the only time the government minister will take this matter seriously is when one of their own children goes missing, unquote. The disparity is, quote, another example of how black people are over-policed as citizens, uh, but under police as victims. A Black Lives Matter uh, spokesperson told The Independent, another quote, the police are proactive in criminalising our communities, but when it comes to keeping us safe, more often than not, they are not fit for purpose, unquote. Uh, a couple more quotes here. The media and authorities have time, and again demonstrated a lack of action when it comes to black, black missing persons cases. The media has dedicated years of coverage to the story of Madeleine McCann, and uh, uh, police have spent nearly 12 million Operation Grange in hope, hopes of finding her. Meanwhile, few members of the British public have heard about uh, heard of Amina Khan or Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth uh, uh o- Ogun uh, Bayibi. Uh, all, appear- all disappearances and deaths are tragic. Uh, yet the media and the police do not treat them as if they are. Uh, Amina Khan vanished from uh, South London, in 2011, aged six, and was thought to have been kidnapped by her mother while in custody of her father and taken to Pakistan. Newsflash: for me personally, didn't know that, didn't know that story at all. And uh, Elizabeth uh, Ogun Bayibi. Um, has been on Greater Manchester's Police Missing Persons this more than a decade after going missing in 2006, age 5. Uh, quote, in the face of structurally racist police and the media, we must continue to look out for each other. Uh, a couple more paragraphs here. For Ali or oh, uh, Minority Matters, negative experiences with the police can often uh, then discourage parents from reporting their teenage children missing. Quote, black parents or monor- ethnic minority background parents uh, give up going to the police, following their first negative experience, or what they have been, uh, or what they have seen happening to other parents. He's over 18 and free to go. Is a regular response. <laughs> That's a shit response. That's so fucking lazy. Uh, the majority of London's missing, pit, uh, missing children, and young people are lost to county lions and criminals exploiting them to sell and transport drugs. He said. Uh, they are very, uh, they are very young and too scared to say no. Often exposed to mental and physical abuse until they fully submit. Parents are unaware, uh, unaware during the first months, years, and suddenly they go missing. This being our character. Uh, I'm gonna skip one paragraph here. Just go to the end. Uh, National Crime Agency spokesperson said, "Quote: Individuals from same, uh, from some ethnic minority groups remain overrepresented." Among missing persons report, while those who go missing can be driven to do so by individual circumstances, UK Missing Persons Unit initiated work with academia in late 20, uh, 2020 in order to seek an increased understanding of the potential reasons for minority representation. This work will remain ongoing throughout 2021. And says uh, uh, the Home Office and Met Police have been approached for comment. It's just, uh, this is all just, um. This is all just um like exhausting to think about right already exhausting to think about, and it's something like the count, the county lines um side of it I have heard about you know in past years, but not consistently right as a as a as a uh as a genuine issue, you know I'm drinking tea by the way, sorry um but yeah, it's just um the the, the, number, the numbers are so stark. Like, you, you can't tell me that there's not a problem here. And I don't even want to, like, um, expand on the... Clearly, the racial difference in reaction nationally and uh, uh, in terms of the police reaction. I don't even want to talk about the racist barrier there. Because it says it right there. It's on the plate. Take it how you want it. You know how I'm gonna take that. You you know exactly how I'm gonna take that information, right? And that's you don't you don't need me to expand on that. But the de- but the the statistics alone jar me and the cases that I've never even heard of until I just read this article. You know what I mean? And I'm um, I, I and you know there's a there's a there's a logical way of and you know and in some ways a very cold way of thinking about this that you know people die every day right people go missing regularly right I get it some people you know return some people don't the Amanda McCann thing really pisses me off because of the fact they spent twelve mil on the on the case it so just <laughs> like <laughs> I I actually actually mentioned it to American friends re- uh, recently and I actually heard of it. No, a couple of them actually heard of it. It was that. It was that. Like bigger story. And I was just like. <laughs> like what? What? You know what I mean? And, um, and I remember. I remember being in school. Um, like re seeing, seeing the papers. When I go to the shop. About. And it's always Madeline. That one picture of Madeline McCann. The one picture. You all know what I'm talking about. That one picture of her. Sprayed out all across the news. And then the documentaries came out. Like uh, uh, wondering. Was it the mother and father? And it's just like. It's so indulgent. It's so indulgent at some point, right? And I'm in some ways, I'm kind of glad that it do, that. The that most of these cases don't get to the point where you know tabloids get a hold of it and you know try 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 and twist the narrative and bullshit and give us garbage and give people garbage that you know. It's, just, it's no, there's no reason for it. Did did the parents murder her? Like I don't care. Did you find her or not? No. Okay, and I don't know when, you know, the, when uh, the police should decide whether the case has gone cold, but <laughs> you're finding bodies, guys. In these cases, in, I'm going to go back to these cases and I'm just going to focus on those. Right, for the last point, you found some of these bodies. You found some of these bodies, and in some ways that's on you because according to evidence, Joel, in her, ca- in her particular case of, uh, you know, son Richard, you told you you basically just waved her off in in a lot of ways like she was telling you my son is missing how dare you have the audacity to say to her okay well you know maybe maybe he's gone maybe he's done this maybe he's done that you know like no don't dismiss take it seriously and you know I know that I'm, I'm sure there are like you know parents that you know can be a bit too you know hot triggered with it. Etc, etc. And, you know, that's that's a variable, right? But the point of the police is to take shit seriously when someone brings it up. No? Like, this ain't a it's, not a... it's not a prank call. So, take it seriously. And you guys didn't take it seriously. And now Richard's dead because of it. Because of your negligence. In the most important times of, per, of a person missing, the first 48 hours. I don't have to be a police chief to know that. When somebody's missing, the most important times are the first four hours, right? No, am I wrong? Surely ain't the first, surely ain't the week after. So, like, it's not enough. Like these responses, these this negligence, this clear negligence, is really not enough. And the government need to. And uh, I'm saying this knowing full fact for for a fact they won't actually you know take this seriously, but the government need to take this county line shit seriously because that's been going on for a few years now, and then they need to take this missing these missing persons statistics themselves and the and the stories behind those people, especially because I know there's a lot of times, especially you know when it comes to stuff like COVID. You know, people really just focus on statistics and not actually the stories of the people who've actually died. We we miss that a lot. We miss out on that a lot because there's just so many of them, and when it gets to that point, um, it gets a bit depressing to think about. And you just the numbers are more, you know, except uh, more easy to swallow. But the, the 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 numbers say it all, and the numbers ain't lying. So. So we move on to film and TV. And uh, this is all about uh, the uh, Simpsons, Apu, Hank Azaria, who obviously um, did the voice of Apu, uh since. This this blows my mind. And I don't know why this blows my mind. Because obviously it's, it's just it is what what is. But the Simpsons has been around since 89. Like that's crazy to think about. Like Simpsons peaked before I was born. <laughs> Like some people say, like I think it was like the what season six to eight something like that. Like Simpsons peaked before I was born. That's crazy to think about. You know what I mean? And uh, this guy has been acting, uh, voice acting, uh, Apu since eighty nine, and obviously stopped recent in recent years. Um, shout out to Hari Kondabolu for the uh, Apu documentary. Um, but yeah, man, this just that's fucking mad. I right, and you know there's a there's. This, this article might just like irritate people because it's just like, you know, oh, oh he's, do- he's doing too much. And I get it, right? But I'll I'll, I'll I'll help you make sense of it at the end of this. So uh, this is via The Guardian's uh, Robert A uh, by uh, uh, Richard Luscombe. Uh, this is called Hank Azaria. Apologizes uh, to every Indian person for voicing a poo in The Simpsons. So that might seem, that might seem a bit much, right? But oh, yeah, don't worry, it'll make sense in the end. Uh, let's, let's jump right in. Uh, the actor Hank Azaria has apologised, quote-unquote, to every Indi- uh, every single Indian person for his betrayal of our and the Simpsons. Azaria, who is white, fo- uh, voiced the role of the Indian-American shopkeeper for, uh, from the show's inception in 1989, but stood down last year amid criticism of ra- ra- uh, racial stereotyping. So what's that, 30 years? Like <laughs> oh, fucking 30 years? Fuck. Uh, he-, he's- he was on it for all, de- all- for decades, literally decades. Uh, and and you telling me there weren't no anyway, but no, we'll get to it. Um but stood down last year, mid criticisms, racial stereotyping. He said he was willing to be held accountable for its "quote unquote" negative consequences. Speaking on Monday on the Armchair Expert podcast, hosted by the actors Dak Shepherd and Monica Padman, uh, who is Indian American, Azaria fifty-six said that the uh, said that though he believed the show was founded on good intentions, it contributed to the "quote unquote" structural racism in the U.S. He said that it's also taken him some time to realise his portrayal for Apu. I hate the I hate how long this name is. Like it, it fucks me off. Like it's so, even right like right there, that right, right there that's a bit of a stereotype. Was it? Nah-ha, uh Nahasa uh Pima, uh Pima Petalon? Is that how you say it? Like that's just That's just annoying. That's that's just like why? That's, that's, you're doing too much. Um was offensive to the Indian American community, quote. I really didn't know any better, he said. I didn't think about it. I was unaware how much relative advantage I had received in this country as a white kid from Queens. Just because there were good intentions, it doesn't mean that there weren't real negative consequences to the thing I am accountable for. To Padman, he said, I really do apologize. I know you weren't asking for that, but it's important. I apologize for my part in creating that and participating in that. Part of me feels I need to go around to every single Indian person in this country and personally apologize, unquote. Azaria's character came under close scrutiny in the documentary, 2017 documentary, The Problem with Apu, made, in, uh, made by Indian-American comedian Hari Kondabolu, as a look at, quote-unquote, how, how Western culture depicts Southeast Asian communities, according to IMDb. In the Simpsons, Apu, an uh, immigrant from West Bengal uh, with a doctorate in computer science, runs a quickie mark, convenience store in Springfield. Storylines involving him have often been contentious including the episode aired in 1996, which the mayor sought to expel undocumented migrants. Fuck. They're doing this in 96. Fucking else, deep. And Arpoo purchased a forged birth certificate from local mobsters. Uh, that's very light-hearted. Uh, in tweets about the podcast, Condor Boli welcomed Rosario's apology, but saw, uh, saw it as a comeuppance for the show. Uh, the Arpoo controversy is not real. Racism isn't controversial. It's a constant, he wrote. Uh, unless you think people of colour finally standing up for themselves is controversial. However, I suppose a word like controversy is more clickable than comeuppance, uh, In another tweet, Cor- uh, Kondabolu called Azario uh, called Azaria kind and thoughtful, which he said to prove that people are not simply products of their time, they have the ability to learn and grow, unquote. Earlier this year, Matt Groening, uh, the creator of The Simpsons, told the BBC the show was striving for inclusivity. Last year, he announced that non-white characters would no longer be voiced by white actors. And in February, he said the black actor Kevin Michael Richardson would assume the role of Julius Hibbert, an African-American doctor from Harry Shearer, who uh, voices characters, including Mr. Burns. Uh Quote, bigotry and racism are still an incredible problem, and it's good to finally go for more quality and representation. Oh, it's good, is it? It's good to finally go for it. Like, you know, just had to be shamed into it, but go for it. Uh, go off, go off king. Uh, but he said there had been no intention to sideline uh, or offend ethnic minorities. Quote, All of our actors play a dozen characters each. It was never designed to exclude anyone, he said in an interview uh, on the NPR last year when he was announced uh, when he announced he was standing down as Apu, Azaria "said quote After a lot of soul searching and doing workshops and reading and talking to people, I realized I had a blind spot or two when it came to this character." In the Armchair Podcast, he said he had worked on understanding the issue with the help of his teenage son Hal. Quote, uh, I was speaking to my son's school. I was talking to the end of kids there because I wanted to get their input. He said there was uh, a 17-year-old uh, who he's... Ne- Wait, there was a 17-year-old. He's never seen The Simpsons but knows what Apu means. It's practically a slur at this point, unquote. Uh, as I said, he read, spoke to people uh, who knew a lot about racism, spoke as well to Indian people and went to seminars. I realised I had a date with Destiny with this thing for 31 years, unquote. So... The thing is, guys, is um, that you know if you kind of th- feel like obviously the title for you know apologising to every Indian is you know a bit tongue in cheek, right? Obviously he's not gonna you know go to every uh, go to every Indian American and just go oh, I I am sorry. Obviously he's not gonna do that, right? Let's just get past that uh, you know comedy uh, comedic uh, context context. Um, but here's my here's my personal um, here's my personal. Uh, um, experience with it, and I'm not Indian American, right? <laughs> nowhere near, right? No, nowhere near it. Um, I knew I had I had one Indian. In, uh, I'm not Indian or Indian American for that matter. I just realised I put American in that, in that way. Obviously, I'm not American. Um, I knew one. I had an Asian friend in primary school. Shout out to Alex. Uh, who else? Uh, you know, I've had a. You know, I've had a few few asian friends in the past uh you know a couple of in in, in recent years right and uh, especially in primary school i want to say it's in primary school because uh you know in recent years i haven't really uh heard this much but um, especially in primary school right i heard bare times the, t- the the phrase thank you come again in that voice in in your voice i know ex- you know exactly how how it's said right you know exactly how it's said and i'm not gonna bother right Thank you. Come again. I heard that so many freaking times, and I didn't even watch The Simpsons that deep. I was never in The Simpsons like that. Never. You know, my sister was into it for a minute. Uh, <laughs> my mum hated it so much. She uh made she she exaggerated, saying I've seen every episode. Uh, when the show was still going, which just made me laugh whenever she said it, because she said it a few times as I was young, uh, when I was new. Um, and I was like, new episodes, I was like, okay, mum, have you seen that? Have you seen that already? You already got the uh, preview on that, did you? Yeah, already got the express package. Um, so, she, obviously, she was bullshitting and making up but at the point point, but and exaggerating. But, yes, she didn't really rate it anymore. Um, but, yeah, my sister rated it. You know, she was into it. Um, she's a 80s kid, so, you know, she obviously grew up in the 90s. So, obviously, she was watching it. But, yeah, for me personally, I was never into it. But I knew so many people that said, thank you, come again. Just that, just that one reference, like, demeans the whole, you know, patterning of uh, of how Asians in general are seen. And I can only imagine how bad it was for Indian Americans, especially for you know a show like The Simpsons, which has been so ubiquitous in American culture. You know, less so re- in recent year, uh, recent decades, but you know, especially in the nineties and two uh, thousands. Woo, couldn't escape it. Couldn't escape that boy. So, uh, you know, I don't think Hank Cazaro is doing too much here. I really don't. I think he's doing um, the correct about, actually. I think he's doing the correct amount of research, talking to the right people. And I feel like uh, this is a case where, you know, certain people, uh, whether it be in TV um, or just in general life, uh, should take note, right? Um, he's benefited off this... Uh, well, not obviously, obviously just not off the character. Obviously, he does several characters in The Simpsons, and he's a great... Um, and he's a great vo- voice artist. He's a great voice artist. Um, I love Brockmeyer. He's great in that show. If you haven't seen that show, it's fucking amazing. Um, you know, he's a great dude. Um, he's a great artist. But, um, you know, that's one blip. That's a, su- that's a big blip. That's a big, big blip. Um, and Apu is so ubiquitous because there was no other um, Indian-American representation. That's another wrinkle you can add to this. Um, you know, the representation side of everything. Uh, of, uh, you know, the fact that Bapu was pretty much the only Indian-American uh, character that you can name in, the, in American 90s television. Uh, the, the most, um, you know, the first one you're going to name, especially. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, and that's important. And that's, you know, in, in coming back to now, that's why diversity is important. Because when you have one character that's degrading, everyone's going to be drawn to that character. And, you know, then we're going to get... Uh, Seven-year-olds in my primary school th- telling me thank you come again, and I probably may say that back in the day. I don't know. I don't remember, but you know, I may have. I may have. Um. So, you know, it, it's 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 it may seem like a reach, all of this, but honestly, I don't think. Uh, if you think that's a reach, if you think all of this is a reach, and how Hank Azaria uh, responded to this, um, you need to understand that, uh. Representation is important, and you know what you guys watch as a you, um, really, really freaking matters. It really, it really does matter, and shapes how you see certain people. Like Indians and Indian Americans, especially, are not caricatures of our poo, bro. They're not. Uh, so you know, that's just that's just worth saying. But shout out to Hank Azaria for um, you know, doing his due diligence. That's um, you know, that's very commendable. We're up into our second life uh, s- uh, segment of the episode, and this is all about the Brixton, uh, you know, people call it the Brixton riots, but some people have called it an uprising, which I kind of, uh, I, I, I uh, draw to more as a particular term. Um, so I'm going to call it the Brixton uprising, but, you know, you know, you can refer it to the Bri- Brixton riots if you really want to. <clears throat> but for now, I'm just going to refer to it as the uprising. Um, so yeah, Brixton uprising, four years on. It's been 40 years since then. Um, and uh, I found this amazing, uh, uh, just uh, kind of um, oral um, uh, retrospective, so to speak, on it. Uh, this is uh, by uh, community affairs correspondent for The Guardian, uh, Amnut Modine. And uh, yeah, it's called Bricks and Riots Four Years On A Watershed Moment for Race Relations. So this is John Pryan. It's been four years since Ross Griffiths uh, watched her neighbor neighborhood burn to the ground, then 15. Uh, she wandered the streets through one of the most de- one of the most devastating civil disturbances England has seen in a state of shock. Uh, quote, as I got into the area, uh, you could see the fighting, it looked like war, unquote. But even amid the smoke, fire and police cars that tore through the streets, Griffiths still remembers the reggae music that played softly into the night. Brexton was then the centre of UK's black community, Griffiths said, with young people from uh, across the country coming down for the weekend to enjoy its cultural vibrance. From the protests and literature uh, to the sound systems, the street corners reverberated, a simple yet powerful political message, black is beautiful. For a generation of black brands uh, uh, plagued by massive unemployment, poor housing conditions and police brutality, it was a message they desperately needed to hear. <clears throat> but as she walked through the wreck, uh, wreckage, she saw the consequences of decades-long tension being ignored. The violence, which over the next summer would sweep through a number of England's inner cities, was widely condemned. Uh, Griffiths uh, said what happened in Brixton all those years ago helped her peers. the generation that followed Windrush and who wrestled most painfully the identity of being black and British to make a stand. Quote, for me... The Brixton riot was a Brixton uprising, she said. It was a watershed moment for race relations. Alex Wheatle from Shirley Oaks, a children's home to a social service hostel in Brixton when he was 15. Moved from Shirley Oaks, sorry. Uh, when he was 15, uh, he immediately fell in love with the place, uh, the all-night parties, the record shops, and using what money he had uh, to be as stylish as possible. Quote, it was, awake- it was like an awakening to my culture, he said. For the first time in my life... I felt like I belonged, unquote. There was a political awakening too. Quote, everyone knew uh, of a tale of a young black guy being hauled into the police cells and getting beaten up, he said. No one listened to us, no one believed us, The issue went much further than the police. And we taught remembers uh, waiting on corners for builders' vans to pick them up for days' labour. When he went to Brixton Unemployment Exchange, he saw that the jobs, for, jobs there for young black women were as chambermaids. Weetle said the new crossfire in which 13 people, 13 young people died in a blaze during a birthday party at the beginning of the year crystallized what many black Americans felt at the time, that the people in power did not care about them. Quote, something systemic was happening in terms of racial discrimination. It was being observed in schools, in the job market, in policing and the courts, said Colin Prescott, a British sociologist and chair of the Institute of Race Relations. The optimism, the optimism of the Windrush generation, who had hoped their children would be able to get a decent education and jobs, had evaporated by the late 1970s. Prescott said the, the quote-unquote dashing of the migrant settler dreams was felt acutely by black Americans born in the country. In the first seven weeks of 1980, there was a 78% increase in street crime over the previous year in so-called, in the so-called L District, which included Brixton. One tool used to crack down on street crime by the police was SUS, quote-unquote SUS, like uh, Among Us Sus, uh, which was a charge of loitering with suspicion to commit a criminal offence. So literally arrested for loitering, (laughs) like fucking hell. Uh, In the run-up to April 1981, uh, Operation Swamp 81 uh, was planned, a special police exercise that began on the 6th of April and was meant to finish on the 11th of April. It consisted of a hundred officers paroling, par, uh, patrolling in plain clothes, in certain areas between 2 p.m. and 11 p.m. daily. About 1,000 were stopped, and 100 arrested for a variety of offences, of which only a few were for robbery or burglary. On 10th of April, the first warm day of the year, PC Steve Mar- Margiotta, 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 uh, tried to stop a distressed young black man who was bleeding from a stab wound. The young man ran away and a crowd formed around Margiotta and his colleagues. That night, Brixham was awash with false rumours that the police had prevented the young man from getting treatment and he had died. There was an increased uh, level of policing the following day. And in the afternoon of 11th of April, two police officers patrolling Atlantic Road questioned a man sitting in a car outside a car hire firm. Quote, everyone knew that something was big, uh, something big was going to happen. Everyone knew it. When it did, I just followed the crowd and just raced into Atlantic Road. But by, by the time I got there they were rocking a police van from side to side and it smashed onto the road, Weasel said. By then there were hundreds of people throwing things at police officers on Atlantic Road and into Cold Harbor Lane. Julian Skellet, a twenty uh, then a twenty four year old student living in Brixton, was a pub was in a pub drinking with friends. Quote I looked out the window and I saw this police car which I think was a panda upside down Uh, uh, upside down and in flames. Uh, Yeah, Uh, he said uh, the pub landlord locked the customers in and they stayed there for several hours. Quote, it was exhilarating, it was empowering, it was frightening because in the corner of your mind you're thinking, Lord God, if the police catch you in a cell, you're finished, Wheatle said, but the exhilaration to actually see the police in retreat was something I'd never seen before. It is usually us running away from the police, unquote. By the evening, crowds were firing petrol bombs. Windsor pub was burning, and flares could be seen all, all over Railton and Mail roads. Uh, the fire brigade and ambulance crew were caught in the crossfire. By the end of the weekend, hundreds of civilians and more than 350 police officers had been injured. Two dozen police had been set abla- uh, buildings. Sorry, <laughs> can imagine police officers. Uh, two dozen buildings had been set ablaze, causing damage estimating at five. Uh, 7.5 million pounds and our retired metropolitan police officer who was deployed in Brixton from East London uh, remembers walking around the area in the early hours of Monday morning with a bizarre sense of deja vu quote I realized what it was as it got lighter you could see uh, it was it was like the pictures of the blitz it looked like it it looked like it looked as though there had been a bombing raid in Brixton unquote Weetall was arrested a few weeks after the riot and later imprisoned for taking part. While he was in prison, his sailmate, Simeon, encouraged him to write about his experiences. His story was important. In the decades that followed, the acclaimed uh, director, Steve McQueen, would agree, and he featured Wheatle's life in the episode of Small Axe. He explores explores uh, how Wheatle, known as the Brixton Bard, uh, became a successful British novelist, writing the acclaimed book East of Baker Lane. He wasn't the only one to find his voice. Quote, uh, I had the confidence to say enough is enough, I'm not having it, you will not call me these racial slurs, you will not refer to me, uh, refer to me as if I'm inadequate, Griffith said. Brixon itself has changed over the years, and so too has British policing. Following a report by Lord Scarman, who led an inquiry into the riot, uh, the government passed in 1984 Police and Criminal Evidence Act, which, which regulated stop and search, excuse me, uh, and it set up the Independent Police Complaints Authority, excuse me, in 1985. Prescott doesn't believe that there would have been uh, doesn't believe that would have been possible without the riots and the movement that followed, quote, riots push the analysis of racism in this country, he said. As for Griffiths, remembering the past is important for changing the future. She's excited by the hunger of young people today to make a difference in their communities, especially those involved with Black Lives Matter protests. Their fight is similar to her generation struggle. Nineteen uh, quote, nineteen eighty one was very signa- uh, was a very significant time in my life. I was fighting to belong somewhere, she said. I am accomplished now, and my focus is on passing the baton to the next generation of young leaders, unquote. And this actually comes on, on like another report that they did in in this. Uh, they have a series here on The Guardian uh, talking about, obviously, the bricks and rights and everything around it. Um, and they actually f- uh, have this uh, great statistic saying um, uh, you know, black youth unemployment is at 40%, and that's actually similar to the time of the bricks and rights. And you know that number very uh, fascinates me a a lot. Um, it, it it gives me it, the. I think uh, what uh, Griffith says uh, in uh, in that last uh, in last set of quotes, um, you know, understanding the past, right? And I think I think that's something that really needs to be highlighted when it comes to all of this. Like when you when you when when you know when you're aware of historical moments such as this right you think about uh you think about now right you you go back in history and then you apply it to now you just instinctively do right every time you look up something historical you you think about it and try and understand it uh you try and understand it and then you instinctively think about uh how it compares to the present you know when you when you learn about uh, the Windrush generation, right? You know, our grandfathers and grandmothers, right? Uh, for, for, for you know, for a few of us. And you think about them and what they went through. And then you think about their children around this time, in the 70s and 80s, and they're black and British. They're born in Britain. You know, the Windrush generation came from the Caribbean. They were born in the Caribbean. They were adults in the Caribbean, a lot of them um and you know obviously they brought some of their children there uh, here as well but you know for the people that were born in britain and were black like that's different that's a, th- there's no there's no history well there is history of black british people let's not get twisted uh even before windrush so i don't want to say that but in in this acute sense in this acute sense of being born in britain and having you know windrush generation parents you know you're expected to do something but the system's not allowing you to. So that gives you a rock and hard place in a lot of ways. And I can only imagine uh, trying to think through that. And, you know, comparing that to now, um, there are, like I said, you know, so the, the unemployment numbers are in the same, in a similar places Br- uh, around the time of the Bricks and Uprising. That's very poignant. You know, maybe no, you, you may not compare that to anything. Uh, you may not, uh, you know, conflate that. Right, but you could, um, and with all the protests that were going on last year, you can't tell me that people ain't pissed off. You can't tell me that. I just talked about the numbers of black people in the U- in England and Wales, especially, are going missing at a, a, an alarming rate. You can't tell me people aren't pissed off right now. You know. And you know, people try and move on. They try and push through, but sometimes there might come a time where I'm not saying a Brixton right level, a Brixton uprising level, uh, thing will come about. I'm not saying that, but there is, there's, there's, there's a precipice here. I feel like, um, on the horizon, and I don't know what will happen over that when we get over that precipice, uh, when we get to that point, but. I'm going to be I'm going to be here especially to document it. I I'm I'm going to do that, guarantee that. And I'm going to put my I'm going to put my own voice on it, you know? And if anyone listens, it's all well and good. Um but I I feel like the need to be vocal is more important is is so imperative right now. You know, to to voice up these issues and to voice up the problems that people are facing right now. As it pertains to, uh, you know, uh, black and uh, other non-white communities. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of problems. And a lot of times it's been swept swept under the rug. And uh, the, like I said, there's going to be a precipice. There's going to be a horizon where people ain't just going to fuck with it no more. And they're going to be ignored one too many times. And, uh, you know, whenever that happens, I'm going to be there for it. I hope it don't get to Brixton uh, right, Uprising levels, but I, I, um, I don't know. If it gets to that point, so be it. Just to get people's attention? Just to have people in the powers that be actually speak on it? Shit, so be it. So we finish off with the music segment and we obviously have to talk about the passing of Earl uh, Simmons, also known, uh, more famously known as DMX. And uh, I'm going to read some good words from uh, Mr. Justin Tinsley by the Underfeeds, called An Entire Generation O's DMX for his lesson in resilience. So let right DMX's entire life story has felt like him standing down uh, at the prospect of an early death. And the Grim Reaper retreating to a corner, but not even the old adage that all dogs go to heaven, makes the truth any less arduous. After being rushed to the hospital on April 2nd, uh, following a heart attack brought on by an apparent drug overdose, the man born Earl Simmons died Friday at White Plains uh, at White Plains, New York Hospital, following his family's decision to remove him from life support, the Yonkers born tyrant was 50. His life... And now, forever in death, will continue to revolve around what he ultimately couldn't escape. This isn't the only conversation to be had about DMX, as none of us are defined simply in the manner of how we take our last breath. Those inner demons and fights against them, though, are a large part of the fabric that made him the complex man he was. Oftentimes, all an addict has in their fight against addiction is their own resiliency. That test of wills has made it seem like the MX has lived at least 100 lifetimes with everything he endured, making the news of his death all the more sobering. The life of Simmons has been a personal odyssey, lived on uh, the most public of stages. He was a nuclear bomb of equal parts passion, pain, and most important uh, of all, perseverance. His interviews and uh, moments of intense introspection, too, have never hidden the source of his life's pain that fueled one of rap's most historic and concurrently troubled careers. DMX, in one way or another, is a portal into our own lives or many of our family's darkest secrets. That's why DMX matters to the depths that he does. In so many ways, he is us. We lived, we've lived with his music while witnessing loved ones or even ourselves battling demons. <laughs> So when the news broke last weekend about X having to be rushed to the hospital, an all-too-familiar sense of anxiety and grief engulfed the hip-hop world. Death is a part of life, but in rap, so many artists define periods of our lives. X's music, which, was, which always has an overwhelming element of uh, mortality, is a poster child of, his, of this belief. His music is littered with tales of near-death experiences, and each album in his catalogue contains a passionate prayer directed at God for the blessings and curses in his life. That dichotomy, plus a penchant for uh, creating aggressive and animated hit records, made DMX not just a famous rapper, but also one uh, whose art soundtracked a generation in its most intimate and personal moments of need. Quote, The reason I think my fans love me is because I let them know so much about me, X once said. I bear my soul. I'm not ashamed to cry. I'm not ashamed to hurt. I'm not ashamed to fall because I pick myself up, unquote. In the genre's history, few come close to how transcendent and transparent DMX and the music he produced were. With two number one albums in 1998 alone, it is Mag Opus, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, and It's Dark and Hell is Hot. And later, the only artist in history to have his first five projects hit number one, Excuse me, he was a true one of one in an industry where carbon copies are often celebrated. X's sound was an avant-garde act that diverted from Bad Boy's shiny suit era. That was flooding airwaves and radio stations in the post pack and Biggie Small's hip-hop universe. His music felt dark, genuine and honest. His connection to dogs felt closer than people and a mission he make in Slippin'. A landmark record from a landmark catalogue, but brazen confessions in songs such as I Miss You, to his late grandmother, or Coming From, could not have been any more human. His music proved phenomenal. Uh, but his say, but the same demons that helped create the music were very much co-pilots in his life. From the crippling economic collapse in New York in the 1970s to the crack cocaine, uh, crack cocaine's vice uh, vice grip, uh, the following decade, his life was a product of many wrong turns in America's history. Uh, trauma was a constant companion, specifically in his personal life. His father was absent, causing X to once lament that life. that uh, made him live through uh, that in return as he rhymed on I can feel it for a talent and being able to survive when it's harder he never did uh, yeah he never did uh, he never hid the violence sorry Uh, he suffered at the hands of his mother when he was a child once having two teeth knocked out uh, by her with a broom he'd later say of the life his mother and absentee father involuntarily afforded him Quote, I personally struggle with forgiving my parents, but until you learn how to forgive others, you cannot forgive yourself. You cannot forgive yourself if you don't know how to forgive, unquote. But forgiving himself proved difficult. What was also rough was the life uh, he lived whenever he stepped foot outside of his front door. He was arrested for the first time when he was 10 years old for arson. In those same streets he was running uh, were also older men with whom he sought peace and belonging. One man in particular was someone who X considered a mentor and a role model. When he was 14, when X was 14 uh, that mentor gave him a blunter smoke he never told X it was laced with crack X never recovered from that betrayal abandoned at home and manipulated on the streets the severe mental and physical pain took a deep toll on X who in turn plunged deeper and deeper into the streets I've got a good heart he once sent uh, said on look through my Eyes, but this heart can get ugly uh, he had not had it not been for Simmons resiliency the world would have not heard of DMX. He'd been on the music scene in New York for years prior to his major label debut, even appearing in the source's famed unsigned hype column in its January 1991 issue. He didn't have one foot in the uh, streets he didn't have one foot in the streets while trying to get into the music industry, he was still fully immersed in it. For years, X had earned a reputation as a fearless stick up kid, but he was also known for street rhymes that were so gritty they couldn't have been coming from a guy who'd watched from afar. They were coming from a guy who'd lived a life. A guy who, in 1988, once escaped from an upstate New York prison in the middle of winter winter, and survived in the cold by rubbing multiple layers of Vaseline over his body. Wrapping it in saran wrap and wearing multiple layers of clothes, that's the type of realism, however flawed, that would later live in his music. Before linking with Def Jam, DMX was jumped by a rival street crew who believed X had robbed them days earlier. The truth is, uh, truth is, it was a case of mistaken identity. The res- end result was a, weird j- a wired jaw, but that didn't stop him from rhyming uh, through his teeth to then Def Jam executive Leo Cohen. An impression was made before he mouthed the first word. Open conversations uh, surrounding addiction and mental health awareness in the 90s were taboo. Society was not mild when it came to its cruelty towards eyes, such as Whitney Houston and Kurt Cobain, who openly suffered. Yet... Struggles have historically made for the greatest and most personal of albums C Marvin Gaye, Mary J Blige or Adele. X has always been living a living breathing and rapping cry for help. He'd admit on the Dame Grease produce F, uh, F in with, with D Oh F F in with D, right <laughs> confusing later Uh, That he was listed uh was listed as a maniac depressive with extreme paranoia. Unable to treat his condition, the only place of solace for Dmx was in the streets. Uh, was in the same streets that would make him a well-known figure in New York's criminal justice database. X once said that in his uh, that his rap sheet was read in court one time, and that it stretched across half the courtroom. Over the course of his life, X had been arrested nearly thirty times. If X said nothing else in his life, he did have the revolving door of the penitentiary. Uh, "Quote: Before I really had a life," X told GQ in 2018. "Jail was a playground." Unquote. Later, as X star, X's star power, uh, star power rose to make him the biggest rap in the world by the late 90s, his access to certain vices increased too. As high level peers such as Jay Z and Nas remain consistent in their output, X teetered as his adi- addiction and various arrests for a litany of charges led to jail time and even a failed 2010 reality TV series uh, that would document his journey uh, towards sobriety. In 2016, he was found quote-unquote lifeless in the parking lot of a uh, Yonkers Ramada Inn. X's attorney said it was asthma, though in- investigators noted the police report uh, stating that he ingested an unknown substance. For so long, X's music and even his life in the headlines had always been about what was going wrong and why X's life was on borrowed time. Dogs were kindred spirits in his bark would signal his alliance to them. But DMX seemed to have more lives than a cat. He always bounced back. Regardless of the setbacks, both self-imposed and unavoid- unavoidable, watermarks by the unaddressed grief still in his heart, X found a way to survive. He brought them with joy. Uh, he brought with them, with him, the joy that survival afforded him. to places like homeless shelters, his smile during the last 18 months produced a visceral joy. Now it felt like he was taking that time back, dancing and singing along to songs with his daughter on Instagram. The highly anticipated and well-received Versus Bell with Snoop Dogg last summer, and his incredibly revealing uh, and entertaining drink champ sit-down in February. He looked to be basking in the joy that he deserved, uh, not just as a hip-hop icon, but as a man. Like so many rap luminaries to precede him, we are left to wonder what the second uh, second half century of his life could have offered yet and still. I'm both inspired and haunted by two things DMX has said, uh, both a decade apart. Quote, I think my life, he predicted in uh, 2011, is just beginning. Just two months ago, he'd say, quote, If I was to drop dead right now, my last thought would be, I've had a good life, unquote. Perhaps this light, ultimately more than any of the demons he fought for a half century, is the best way to remember Darkman X, a man who finally found peace, in a life of so much chaos. And that's the entirety. It's a wonderful writer. By Mr. Justin Tindsey I must say. Um, I really don't have much. Else to say. Um, on top of that because. Um, that kind of puts it in. A lot of great ways. Um, I don't think. There has there has been. Or will be. Um, a more authentic voice. Um in hip-hop, definitely hip-hop, maybe music history, um, none of it, none of the music especially sounded, um, exaggerative, when, you know, we, especially in hip-hop, really embrace the, um, the, the, the persona element of people, like, not everybody's, front, uh, you know, kind of bricks, not everyone, you know, is making a bag, right? Not everybody is, uh, you know, whipping in a Royce. Not all of them are doing that. But they say it because it's the persona. But DMX wasn't a persona, I don't think. I think he was... <laughs> like I said, I think the only word is authentic. Um, and in some ways, it's surprising that he made a 50. But... I still wanted. I, I, f- I feel like you know, same as you say. Uh, I I st- I was still. I will still wonder what he was going. What he. W- what else he had in store um, for himself. Um, but you know, ultimately, he said he had a good life, and that was obviously on Dream Champs a couple of months ago, and that was very. And that will constantly be uh, replayed around this time. I guarantee you for the years to come. Um, and uh, you know I don't think he lied I think I think he's been extremely truthful with that and uh, that's something we can all take solace in um, so with that said I'm going to finish there from the fifth in podcast network I have a child saying that has been what's good intro music has been too much by Vanilla thanks to Chew Hop Records for a bit to use that track you can find both Vanilla's site and Chillhop's Hop's discography in the full show notes thanks to Nappy Hire for the use of Interlude Music Charismatic you can find his site in the full show notes as well And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.